Welcome to Tits Up. When things go tits up, they're broken. Tits up can also mean brave up and get on with it. This is what we do as mothers. When things are broken, we pull up our big girl pants and we wade through the muck. I've had a very jumbled, jumbled journey to this point. What it is to be a doctor and 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 a woman and trying to balance both motherhood and and uh, medicine. Worried about whether I could be a good mum as a single parent and what would the public think and what would my colleagues in medicine think and would I be labelled just the woman who couldn't find a husband so had babies on her own? You know, lots of doubt around around that decision. But I can tell you, Pinky, it was the best thing I've ever done. We pick the donor family, whereas in the sperm donation situation, it's the it's the family who pick the donor. So I didn't carry her, you know, I wasn't her birth mother, but I somehow she just knew I was family. And look, she's in her 70s now too, so it's not easy for her to do. But she, on the days that I work at the hospital, she homeschools the kids for me. So without her around, it would be, it would be absolutely impossible. It's funny, I think actually my daughters come on leaps and bounds with the homeschooling and that one-on-one attention from mum. I try the opposite actually, to, to really ensure they know they don't have to be me. I want them to know it's okay to have that emotion as well, that it's okay to to break occasionally because you can't keep holding on to all the pain that life brings. This episode of Tits Up is proudly sponsored by Marsupi Australia Baby Carriers. Diversity in mothering journeys. Our Tits Up guest today is Dr. Yana Pittman, Olympic athlete, medical doctor and mum of four. Dr. Yana Pittman has represented Australia at three Olympic Games and is the first Australian woman to compete in both Summer and Winter Olympics. Two-time world champion and four-times Commonwealth champion in the 400-metre hurdles, Yana is one of Australia's greatest female athletes, but there's so much more to Yana than her sporting achievements. She's a mum of four and a medical doctor in a busy emergency department in a Sydney hospital. Today, I'm talking to Yana about diversity in mothering and her own unique mothering journey. Welcome, Yana. Thank you, Pinky. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Can you tell us, Yana, about the woman Yana the woman. Briefly, your journey from athlete to mother to doctor to mum. I think my journey was a bit um, mixed up. I certainly I became an athlete when I was you know fifteen or whatever, but then I became a mum halfway through my athletics career, and then I became a doctor and then decided I wanted more kids, so I tried to mix in medical school as well as children. So I I didn't have a normal progressive pathway where you know you grow up, get married, um, have a career, have a baby, stop for a few years, and then continue with your career. I've, I've had a very jumbled jumbled journey to this point but uh, it's certainly been exciting and I've really loved uh, I love the challenges that I've put on myself always hard taskmaster so um, I think it was it was almost beneficial to have had a baby quite young so in the middle of my athletics career because it really shaped who I was as a person and made me realize how important family is Uh, and, and I think for an athlete that's very important you know we've just seen an Olympic Games and seen how there can be great heights of positivity and happiness and, and some really terrible disappointment as well so having a child during that was very leveling oh, it would be there's nothing more grounding is there than exactly <laughs> throwing a child in the mix but like <laughs> you say your journey to being a mum has some really diverse twists and turns and talk about your pathway to being a mum of four well, mine was a definitely a complicated journey. I, I always knew as a child, actually, that I wanted to have lots of kids. And I don't really know where that came from, because I was actually only one of two in my family. So I only have one brother and no other siblings. But I don't know, for some reason, I thought that I would have a big brood of children, four, five, six, seven kids was always something I thought would, would be my future. So 
I got married when I was 21, 22, and yes, we got, you know, got pregnant fairly easily. And so along came Cornelis, my first little one, uh, right in the middle of my athletics career. So I just won the Commonwealth Games, got pregnant, and then I was back racing at the World Championships and won the World Championships seven months after having him. So that was a very quick, easy pregnancy. <laughs> uh, and then unfortunately, I, my husband and I separated. Our, our divorce was quite public and, and very difficult to go through. But I met another, another really lovely chap, um, Carlo, and unfortunately we – so we decided we wanted to have a family together and we lost a few babies and we tried again and we lost another baby and uh, multiple sort of multiple miscarriages in that context, which was around the time I actually just started having an interest in infertility and women's health. So I guess having gone through the journey yourself uh, and sadly – when I got into medical school, I did the whole, I'm not having any babies after the miscarriage and being really, I guess, disheartened by that, deciding that I wouldn't go down that path when I wouldn't have any more children. And that sort of tailed the end of that relationship because he was very desperate to be a father. So um, he was a wonderful, wonderful person. We're still, we're still good friends, but that sort of meant that that relationship ended. I started medical school um, learning, you know, what it is to be a doctor and, 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 and a woman and trying to balance both motherhood and, and uh, medicine. And that little, actually, and the Olympics at the same time, funnily enough, I had bobsled during that time as well. So I was trying all three of them. And then somewhere there was a little tug on my heart saying, actually, I still want babies. And I know you've been through multiple miscarriages and I know it really hurts. And I know you haven't got a partner, which is a different, different complexity. <laughs> no husband in the wheelbarrow. Yes, exactly. A huge problem. Um, but having been through a, a really rough divorce and also having been, having met a really wonderful person and not being able to make that work, I was, I was very reluctant to jump into a relationship with someone just to have children. I thought it would be the wrong wrong pathway for me. And I spoke to my, a couple of my beautiful friends um, and, my, and my mother and we decided that we would actually use a sperm donor to try for a sibling for Cornelis. So having known IVF, obviously being a doctor and seeing how that works and being involved in the medical industry made, made it better. Uh, and I also had a, a wonderful friend who was very senior in her career and um, so an incredible woman who decided to do it by herself as well. And she had twin boys as a solo mum. So because I'd already seen it before, I thought, you know, this is not scary. This is something I can do. And whoopsie, all of a sudden I was pregnant two months, two months into the IVF cycle. So uh, there was definitely a lot of questions and a lot of things that I worried about during that journey and worried about whether I could be a good mum as a single parent and what would the public think and what would my colleagues in medicine think and would I be labelled just the woman who couldn't find a husband so had babies on her own, you know, lots of doubt around, around that decision. But I can tell you, Pinky, it was the best thing I've ever done, both Aww. for Cornelis and for me. <laughs> so giving Cornelis a, a sibling... Um, and then obviously going on and having a second one. So I ended up with three beautiful children as a single mum. Uh, it, it was just, it was just meant to be. And it in completely, it completed me in all truth. It is, it just was exactly what I wanted in life. Uh, finished medical school with the three kids, um, definitely battled and had a thank, thankfully to my mother who, my own mother who supported me so much and actually mum and dad, you know, helping with babysitting and finances and things like that just to get me through medical school. So I would have a career after sport and to be able to support the kids uh, until I met my, my husband, which most women who have three kids as a single parent would think, oh, God, I'm never going to meet anybody. You've proved them all wrong, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we met each other and, and got along more as friends than anything else. Uh, he was a, an older man who never had, had never had any children and really loved the idea of, of having some kids of his own and I fell back on that idea of lots and lots of babies and said yeah why not <laughs> so so Charlie came along our fourth son uh, which has been wonderful he's been a real blessing so yeah lots of kids but a very different eclectic journey to get them 
it has been, hasn't it? And you're also a egg donor, which is incredibly generous. Tell us about that. And, you know, I always think there must be so much trust involved when you, um, you look, know, commit to something like this. Sure, Piggy. And I, look, there, I think there is a bit of both. I, I guess initially for me, someone... I guess the, dis- the discussion I had with myself was that someone did it for me. So there is a wonderful man out there who made the decision to be to donate his sperm and therefore I have Jemima and Emily. So I wanted to pay it forward. Um, so I spoke to the same IVF specialist who gave me the girls, who got me the girls, uh, and said, look, if there's a family that really need it uh, and are happy to take a slightly older donor because I was already 35 at that stage, I'd really love to be considered in that situation. And I met an incredible couple who'd been through almost 20 rounds of IVF to try and get a child and very similar morals and um, I guess ideas about how they want to bring their child up. So we had quite a few meetings so in it it's for anyone who would like more information basically as a woman we pick the donor family whereas in the sperm donation situation it's the it's the family who pick the donor so we get as so when I decided to use sperm donation I got a list of men with all their characteristics and picked that whereas it's the opposite in in egg egg donation I think that's because you have to go through all the injections and the operation and so it's quite an invasive procedure and the hormones and everything are required for an IVF so in if you decide to be an egg donor you contact the IVF clinic and they give you a number of families and you can interview the families meet with the families decide you're on the same path and then you have multiple counseling sessions because you know that child is going to grow up and hopefully know who you know know their beautiful parents but also know that there may be another biological person out there that they're related to and you need to be on the same page about how that future looks so I was always very open to, to that child knowing who I was and in the future contacting me and meeting the, my children and they have they've actually met each other so they all met in the park a few months ago which was really beautiful oh, before COVID special. lockdown yeah they look so similar too it's quite funny and they were all cuddling each other like they knew each other and you're just like wow <laughs> you guys don't it know each other from is an element of knowing I, I know yeah, I just maybe. know my, my grandchildren you know cousins as babies it was almost like they knew they were their people yeah isn't that they funny that actually yeah, and I think you're right because to extend on that, that was my first family and those those two are such brilliant parents. Like they've done an incredible job with their little person um, and, you know, obviously that's a private setting so I don't talk about who they are or whatnot. Oh, they just, it's a fantastic. Cool. Whereas on the flip side, I did it a second time for my best friend. So he's in a same-sex relationship with his partner and obviously knowing that I'd done it before, um, I spoke to them about maybe even doing surrogacy or doing an egg donation for them and they just initially like, no, 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 we're too old, but then came back and said, actually, Yes, please. So I then donated an egg to their family and we're very public and open about it. So their little daughter's name is Marley and I'm Auntie Yana and I get to see Marley all the time. And when I held Marley the first time, she just somehow knew that I was I was okay. So I didn't carry her. You know, I wasn't her birth mother, yeah. but I somehow she just knew I was family. So she would relax with me and fall asleep on me and was just, and even when I saw her because of COVID, we didn't get to see each other all of last year and I'm, and thankfully got to see her um, early this year and she cuddled straight in. It was I hadn't seen her for months Amazing. and months and months. She's only, yeah. yeah, she's only little, but she snuggled straight in and gave me beautiful cuddles and I'm like, wow, Marley, it's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, how awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There is that, you know, you go, what's nurture, what's nature, yeah. what's genetics, you know, and it just is fascinating to see that, you know, that recognition is, is there. there at some level. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the boys are incredible fathers and, you know, they will, I'm sure we'll have talks at some stage about whether we have a sibling or not, but I'm getting old now, so. That's what I'm saying, so. <laughs> could be getting older. You're not old yet, but, yeah. But my eggs are, as you know. Your eggs will be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and like you said, you always wanted a lot of children. I remember as, when I was really young and I always said, I'm going to have a dozen children. I mean, I've got yeah. five and that's probably far, you know, enough and they're happy anymore now. And I'm... I'd love <laughs> but, You know, by the time they idea. each bring a friend home, when they're older, you've got your crowd anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, you've got four kids and everyone brings a friend home. You've got a house full. Got a, got a, yeah, and we, we often do because my son's 14 now, my eldest, so he's regularly bringing friends over or we've always got a cousin staying. So we've, I've, I'd say on average, obviously not during COVID, but on average we had six kids, seven kids here on a weekend because yeah. a couple of my friends are single mums as well and they would just regularly drop their kids off because they need to work. One of my beautiful friends is a police officer, so she's essential service now as well. So if she's booked and busy, we end up with her two kids too. <laughs> so, yeah, you're obviously yeah. meant to be doing this and you have to be yeah. high energy, don't you, to do it. I mean, exactly. with one or two kids go, how the hell? Yeah, and you, and you go just different people are made for different experiences. Different things, I think. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, right now you're in lockdown. We are, yes. It's home learning. Have you got two school-age kids or three? I do. And what's hard thinking is there's such polar opposites too. So I've got one in year nine and one in kindergarten. So it's very difficult because the year nine one wants to watch YouTube halfway through the lesson every time. So you've got to watch over your shoulder to make sure he's not cheating on his work. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the six-year-old needs your help. So it, it took a long time for her to be able to learn online. So to concentrate and finish the work. And I guess for the teacher to learn the pace the kids were going at. Mm. Um, but but thankfully, when I'm at the hospital, my mum has been fantastic and she's in my in my local health district, so uh, local government district, so it's fine. And she basically does a lot of the homeschooling, which she, which I'm incredibly grateful for. She's, I mean, she's always been around the kids. She's like a second mum for them, always has been. Um, but it's, it's tough. I know a lot of families out there are really struggling and I can see why. It's not an easy there's thing. There's a lot of grandparents who aren't very um, okay with technology, so... They we've had that problem already. Yeah. yeah, we've had that a couple of times already. A few curse words and uh, <laughs> and failed lessons where the kids are just sitting there and nothing's happening. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, at least at least they're getting work done. I think this time round we're more prepared than last year because my son was doing homeschooling last year too, and the schools were obviously it's a brand new thing for them. Whereas now, at least I think they're a lot more organised. Yeah, and it depends on the school, it depends on the teachers, it depends That's true. how much, you know, whether they're actually supervising the work, checking the work, giving the kids feedback or not, because some do, some don't do that very well. And um, and I think the kids, true, true. Are, you know, little heroes, aren't they really? That they, they are. are coping with this, <laughs> these restrictions to their life and the, and the unpredictability of, you know, you're in school, you're out of school, you're whatever. Well, one really interesting thing our schools have done is made them wear their school uniforms to, to at home. So the, I guess the having the passion of getting up in the morning and the routine of putting your school uniform on, then going down and sitting at your lesson allows them to feel like they are sort of going to school, which I think is really clever. Yeah, it is. It gives them a bit of predictability, a bit of routine, doesn't it, around those days and checking in and signing in. Yeah. So you've got kids home learning. Yes. Working in a busy emergency department during a pandemic. (laughs) Also have a baby. Yeah. What's a typical day? Oh, probably no typical days. What's a typical <laughs> week? What does what does your life look like? I mean, you sound like the most overachiever I've ever heard. Oh of, no, but, you know, uh, but I know you, so I know you. You know, you're real and you're normal and you're yeah. all those things. I don't know whatever normal is, but you know, you're a real mum and you're very yeah. connected with your kids and all that. So, sure, how, how does it all work? 
well, I have very hairy legs because I never have time to have a shower and, and shave them. So, and never wear makeup because I just don't have time to put it on. But I guess you, you make your priorities, Pinky. And uh, we do get up pretty early at five o'clock in the morning to make sure the kids' bags and things are ready if they're going to grandma's to, to do schooling or if they need their lunches packed so that if Paul's home and I'm at work, he can just give them lunch because he's working from home as well, my husband. Um, but, you know, in the morning, I think it's just, you know, running like a madhouse, trying to get everybody fed. And, and, and Charlie's now eating food, my little baby. So it's trying to get him fed and the kids dressed. And, you know, often they'll have pretty ugly hair when they, when they sit in front of the computer screen because I haven't had time to brush it. But it's, it's part and parcel of, you know, of trying to manage the household. Um, at the moment, I'm doing um, part-time work, which is really helpful at the hospital because the baby's still young enough. So I'm only there two to three days full-time a week, which is really manageable. And then if so, if that's the case, I'll leave at 7 to be at the hospital by eight o'clock and then I finish at 6 p.m. And it's go, go, go. At the moment, I am in emergency medicine, which um, is, is definitely interesting during COVID. And it's because it's, gynecology is what I want to do, as you know, obstetrics and gynecology. And whenever it's non-COVID times, I seem to be in that term. And then whenever COVID comes around, I'm back to ED. So because last wow. year I was in ED for, the, for COVID as well. So um, it's an honour to be honest, to be able to be working on the front line with patients coming through who are fearful, who are firstly either think they're having a vaccination reaction or they think they're going to ha they're having COVID um, or who are afraid to come in when they're worrying about having a heart attack because they're afraid of getting COVID. So it's a very different environment to be working in. And a lot of it is about discussing and communication with patients. And the hardest part about that is you're wearing a mask the whole time through sound like this. And, uh, and, <laughs> yes. and you often have goggles and and full ppe on so you look like this darth vader coming towards this poor patient it's um it's a real challenge yeah it is yeah you have to you probably had to find other ways to communicate you know raise your eyebrows and yeah exactly all sorts of <laughs> yeah thanks thank goodness we can't have botox at the moment because you need something to be able <laughs> to communicate with your patients <laughs> no i'm just kidding but um yeah, no, that's actually been what, what I've found the hardest in my patient care is actually being able to adequately talk to my patients. And I work in a hospital that's very low SES, which means a lot of the patients come in with resources that, you know, a lot lower than what we have. Um, and they also often don't speak English. So we have a high um, non-English speaking uh, background non-English speaking families that come through. And, and so regularly, it's even more difficult if you can't use your body language. Are you allowed interpreters during COVID? Yeah, absolutely. But most of them okay. are tele tele health, so oh. it's on the phone, uh, which yeah. just delays and lengthens the, the length of the, the the consultation because you've got to wait, obviously, with with the gaps and and discussions. And sometimes people don't understand. Or you've also got to remember a lot of our patients are elderly, which means they're hard of hearing, which means they can't hear the telephone. Oh, they regularly hang up on on themselves by mistake. So <laughs> it's it's complex. It's tricky. Yeah, it is mm -hmm. complex. And then how do you fit in the kids? I mean, what how do you meet everyone's needs and your own? Obviously, with my mother. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Like, in all truth, she's a godsend. Um, and look, she's in her 70s now too, so it's not easy for her to do. But she, on the days that I work at the hospital, she homeschools the kids for me. So without her around, it would be it would be absolutely impossible. Um, and therefore, on the days I am home, which is two to three days during the, during the school week, I can manage the kids at home and we just have Jemima playing on the trampoline and the two trying to do their work and then the baby crying in the background, but that's, all, <laughs> that's how it is. Um, but yes, it, it is really fantastic having her help. She was a teacher as a career as well. So she's very patient with the kids, very loving, but also I think of, it's funny. I think actually my daughter's come on leaps and bounds with the homeschooling and that one-on-one -on -one attention from mum. Oh, it's really interesting because yes, I've got a um, granddaughter that would be saying that too. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, my daughter's partner has a little girl and she was there all through quarantine because her mum was working. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah, she came along with the one-on-one and I actually homeschooled my own kids for about 10 years. Oh, there you go. And, and you know, they don't, you don't need to sit them at a desk for six hours a day. I mean, people imagine that's what the poor kids are doing, but they actually don't need to. Yeah, exactly. And we're lucky that they can go out and run on the jump on the trampoline. And our school's done lots of things like they did the Olympics on, on, on a video. So they all jumped around the backyard. And I think it's just trying to get the I kids moving. And so pleased to hear the kids did Olympics because yeah. one of the, my, you know, my business partner was saying to me that, you know, she asked at the kids' school, you know, six weeks before the Olympics. So are they going to do a project about? Yeah. No. No. Oh, I that's could not tragic. believe it. I mean, as a kid, Aww. I love the Olympics. Yeah. yeah, and plus at the moment, particularly with all the heartache with COVID and the fear and the, no, no social so activities, positive. exactly. They, these kids get to find role models and people they fall in love with and want to be when they grow up. So yeah. for me, it was essential that they had a big part of it. So yeah, our school did projects on a, two, one athlete each and then they literally did, they did Olympics in the backyard. We all filmed them and sent them in so that the kids could show each other that they were doing swimming and fencing even and boxing and yeah, it was great. That's awesome. Yeah, because some of those projects are big learning experiences for kids. That's correct. Yeah, it's where they get their motivation from. It's where I learned, where I decided, yeah. I, you know, sport is something that would be great to do. And, and, and especially in the obesity epidemic that we've also got going on, we need to encourage our children to be active and, and involved in some type of physical activity. But it's healthy physically and mentally for kids to do Correct. sport at whatever level they can do it at. It just exactly. doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so, important. <laughs> and that whole participation thing. Exactly. Uh, yeah it's not about yeah, winning it's about and that's what's be beautiful about the olympics too yeah yeah they yeah, see not everyone win, wins they see people lose but yeah. the olympics was so beautiful to see that support from each other that yes you know yeah, with cedric dubler for each other oh, and Maloney, where he yeah. cheered him on down the last hundred meters but i also what i thought was amazing about this olympics was people seem to hero people who are doing a good job like patrick tierman in the 10 kilometer men's 10 kilometers you know he was almost falling over and literally almost dying on the track the last 200 meters so we heroed him for that we praised him for the effort that he put in and he came dead last well not quite dead last but you know he did not win let's say and we we, we thought that his effort was what was brilliant and I think that's what our children need to see is that it's about effort need to see that to yeah yeah mm. that it, that it is about the effort and it's not about when the gold medal always and gold medals yeah. always and yeah yeah, yeah. that's right and Pete, no not all not all of us can be Emma McCann and bring home nine or eleven I think was is medals in her <laughs> <I know>. career <laughs> yeah it's extraordinary I mean it's amazing either way but just to get yes. there you know and you've been <laughs> exactly. to what McKean real Olympics yeah. Yes, three Olympics, two in athletics and one in bobsled. Yep, the bobsled mm. always gets me. I go, yeah, it's funny. That looks so much fun. It is. It was scary when you first start, but it was also exhilarating. And you got to remember, Pinky, I went to the first two Olympics with the odds-on favourite to win. So the pressure was really high, and obviously I got injured in, at both Olympics. Or well, one of them, I was a baby, so I, didn't, you know, I wasn't in, in, uh, supposed to win that one. But both Beijing and Athens, I should have should have won because I was reigning world champion going into them both, and and then both got very very injured. So the bobsled was an opportunity to go to Olympics, where there was no way we were going to get a medal. It was just about literally what we were just talking about: getting out there, doing your best for your country, and just loving the environment and learning from everything you you know, just sapping it up and, and learning from that incredible experience. And it was fun and dangerous. And I kind of look cool for the grandkids because they would never believe mum would be able to be that cool. So, like, you know, it was yes. it was an opportunity to enjoy <laughs> the Olympics, not just going with the pressure. Yeah, the pressure must have been, you know, horrendous. And did you find, do you find with your kids and sport, you know, obviously there's a lot of pressure there. They've got the genetics, they've got the role model. I mean, 
particularly Cornelius, he's got really he's got some guy. Really yeah, in the book. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, you know, that it is a passion of yours, but I'd assume it's just a natural thing for them. But do, do you feel pressure as a mum for them to achieve or do you feel the weight of other people's expectations on your kids? I try the opposite, actually, to, to really ensure they know they don't have to be me. Um, I mean, my little girls think that everybody's mum goes to the Olympics and it's just a given that they will go at some point and it's just about picking which sport they will go in. So they That's have cool. a very, <laughs> very unrealistic can do from of what it takes. Yeah. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Um, whereas my son definitely felt the pressure. So like he'd go to an athletics carnival and I think he would just get so nervous thinking if I don't run fast, I'll look like an idiot. And it's like, no, darling, it doesn't work like that. Um, but I've, Cor and I are completely polar opposites in personality. So he is very gentle and kind and has very little drive to push himself to be successful. And now I don't know if that's because I am his mother and, and often people have said, oh, maybe he just feels like he can't live up to that expectation. And that obviously worries me as a mum. And it's, and I'm being honest, it, it's something that haunted me for, for quite a while to think, oh, am I the one who's causing him not to push himself? But I don't think it is. I think he's just a really laxed, Laxadays, your very chilled kid who doesn't need success to feel proud about himself. And what a beautiful thing. You know, I he can look he in the mirror. right there. Because I mean, yeah. having, you know, I mean, I've got three sons, two daughters, but I would say, you know, one of mine is so laid back and yeah. chilled out and has been ever since he was little. He's really kind. He's actually gay. Yeah, you know, same as mine. Gentle, lovely, yeah. you know, yeah, lovely. Um, personality, gentle, kind. I mean, they're all kind. But my second one has this incredible drive. And when I was yeah. pulling in, my husband says, you're going to take away all his drive. You know, he's not going to compete. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, who cares? Yeah. But he's always been competitive, always had drive, yeah. amazing businessman, was an amazing yep. athlete. You know, he was a champion cyclist. He was, yep. you know, until he got injured again, until yeah. all these things happened. Yeah. But, but, you know, he, he, he just has that. So they're polar opposites in temperament. And I think temperament's in there. It, absolutely I don't, think it's, I don't think it's necessarily a reflection of anything you've done to them yeah and I agree with you because Cor and I just don't have many similarities at all very he loves kids like he loves his siblings and would be a great childcare worker which is where I'm trying to put his efforts at the moment because he's like the Pied Piper at the park with little kids it's gorgeous and I get so many wonderful comments from fam like friends in the park going gosh your son's wonderful with kids which is lovely because I obviously hear from the teachers at school that he has no interest in maths for example <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> Nice to hear the lovely compliments about his his personality because ultimately that's you know caring and being loving towards people is the thing we ask for most in our children. So yeah. Um, yeah, whereas one of my other daughters is identical to me. She's incredibly sensitive, but also incredibly driven. So I'd say if any of my children will follow in that pathway, it'll be her. Um, and she's also an incredible little athlete, Pinky. Like the kid can run out of sight in a dark night. She's just she can swim like a fish. She can do front flips on the on the on a trampoline already at five years of age like she's just she's just extraordinary and it's and you can you know you can just look at their body type too and you're like oh my goodness she's got little, little glutes already like a little bum little muscly bum and little muscly biceps and you're just like oh how yes. interesting yeah it is isn't it yeah, yeah. yeah. so okay. but yeah it, I don't mind what they do I just want them to grow up happy uh, and I often get asked the question would would I have done things differently and I think it would have been great to have done sport differently to have done it with more love then have felt the pressure that I did I, I definitely felt very almost compelled to compete because it was I was great at it whereas my love was always in medicine and I, and I think it would have been great I, I would have if I could go back to my 19 year old self and say well what would you do differently is that I would have started medicine earlier and tried to potentially do them both because 
having both careers together took together took the pressure off either one. It allowed you to sort of, oh, well, if running's not going well, then then you can go and study harder. And if you don't do well on an exam, you go out for a hard run. They, they work very well together. Are you in the market for a baby carrier or wrap? Or is the one you have too complicated or bulky? Marsupi is the perfect hybrid between a wrap and a carrier. Love for its simplicity, Marsupi gives you the snugness of a wrap and the support of a more traditional carrier, but without all the bulk and fiddly bits. Weighing only 260 grams and made from a cotton and linen blend, Marsupi helps keep you and Bub's cool while providing all the support you need. Some of Marsupi's key features are that it's lightweight, it's simple to get off and on, no buckles or clasps, it's fully adjustable, comfortable, and made from natural fibres, making them breathable. Marsupi is recognised as hip healthy by the Institute of Hip Dysplasia, helping to keep your baby sitting correctly and safely. And it's suitable for newborns from three and a half kilograms right up to 15 kilograms. Marsupi can be used to front and hip carry. Get your Marsupi today from Marsupi Australia with a 20% discount. Just use the code PINKY with a capital P-I-N-K-Y. So go to www.marsupiaustralia.com.au. So that's M-A-R-S-U-P-I australia.com.au to check them out on Instagram or Facebook at Marsupi Australia. interesting isn't it yeah yeah because yeah. yeah, you do need release when you're doing yeah. anything at an intense level yeah you do need some something on the flip side but you know people don't expect someone to be amazing athletically and you know super academics. good with academics <laughs> yeah yeah I know yeah. And, and we all probably know people friends or kids we grew up with who were a good bit at of both, both those spaces mm. yeah yeah good at both those spaces but they were probably the unicorns of the yeah Yeah, I know and I'm very lucky I'm very lucky that I got to have an incredible career after sport because I know a lot of my friends are really struggling post-retirement and I I mean you may not have seen but even even yesterday there was an article on the young New Zealand cyclist who took her own life because she didn't I don't know we don't know why but obviously it was a mental health reason she didn't make the Olympics and and a couple of days after the Olympics she was found passed away unfortunately and so there, there are a lot of mental health issues in sport so it's I'm incredibly lucky that I have a, a oh, career afterwards yeah. um and a passion similar to yourself with working with women and birthing and pregnancy and 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 I just love I love where my future is going well you've got a purpose haven't you and you and you really exactly. relate to that because you've got your own children, yeah you've birthed you've fed them you've <laughs> done all those things and you've had ups and downs and good experiences and hard experiences you know so you can really empathize with women on that whole on that journey um, Yep. Yeah, on that journey. Now, you're going to be on SAS Australia, aren't you? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was one of the craziest things I've ever done. And I also did it pinky five months after my ba- my last baby was born. So I don't know if they'll show it. And I don't mind talking on your podcast about it. But, like, I wet myself because of, you know, postpartum incontinence. And I had leaking boobs because I had only just stopped breastfeeding. So I had at one point where I had, like, a wet bra from the milk. And I was just like, which was ridiculous because, as you know, I spoke to yourself about the fact my milk was drying up. And all of a sudden I go away and I had this influx of milk. I'm like, 
you tell me how that happens as a, as a, a breast expert. Like, I don't know how that happened, but. I just your hormones, you know, when you're stressed and you're anxious about your milk supply, of course that might have some impact because, you know, your reproductive yeah. hormones and your um, stress hormones do this balancing act. And, and suddenly. And free and just loving what I was doing out there, jumping out of helicopters. Yeah. And, you know, and your yeah. milk started up again. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. He has a suck every so often. It's very cute. If we're in the bath together, he'll just have a suck for 10 minutes. It's very cute. It's very cute. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they just keep on going and keep on going. And yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, how did your kids feel about you doing that? Have they actually seen much of the show yet? So it comes out in a couple of weeks. So Channel 7 wanted it to air just after the Olympics. So they used the Olympics to sort of promote the athletes and, and uh, musicians and uh, actors and things that were on the show. So hopefully hopefully September, October sometime, they'll, they'll, it'll start going. Um, but, yeah, they're really excited to watch it. And I've obviously told them lots of stories. And I think I'm hoping they'll be really proud of me. Because there's some pretty crazy things that I do there on the show. There are some crazy things. Yeah. I, mean, I watched the first thing. And now I used to belong to a skydiving club when I was about 19, you know, so I'm not really a in cotton wool kind of a person. Yeah. But holy crap, that ha- yeah. that really had me. I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, yeah. this is terrifying stuff. Yeah. There was a few things, and one of them I can talk about already because obviously most of it was confidential, but um, they've shown me and a couple of other athletes being drowned in the car. That was horrific. I so, couldn't cope. I, I yeah. know I couldn't. Gosh, that must have been I was so close to pulling out on that one. So because that, that's what happens in SAS. Obviously, they you, you you're in until you re, you quit. So you pull off your number and you say yes. I quit. So um, they can take your number as well. Don't get me wrong, but most of the time it's you quitting, uh, and you, and the goal is just to not give up, never give up. And I was so close on that particular um activity because they may literally put you in a car and then drop the car into the middle of a lake till it sunk to the bottom and you had to stay in it until they tap you on the shoulder and you can get out <laughs> so you've seen it i think if there's a couple of really good shots there of was Sam a couple of short shots of it, yeah. being drowned and it's just oh it was horrific <laughs> it was horrific but anyway you didn't, you didn't quit or is that giving away too much <laughs> not on that i can't say whether i could no, or whether you I can't could watch the show but not on that particular thing so it was yeah oh. it was just hard that was very t- difficult challenge guts, <laughs> guts. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> so my hat is off to you as an athlete as a present and attached mom because you know I've, I know you spend you know time in bed cuddling your baby and all those beautiful things that yeah you know you do with your kids you're really in there and as a doctor, but all of these roles require so much stamina and grit yeah. and focus, don't they? They do. And you've had, you know, like you were saying, some of your tits up moments have been lived so publicly. They have. And it's and not we, easy. No, no, it must be horrendous. And we've seen you triumphant. We've seen you vulnerable. Where does this grit come from that you, you know, to pick yourself up from this disappointment? It's a great question. And I've, funny enough since SAS been have contemplated a lot because I'm honestly not sure I think some of it is inborn um some of it some of it definitely is as a result of having children and trying to show my children that no matter how down you get you can still take a step upwards um some of it comes from having watched a friend of mine that did take his life and thinking I'm never going to let myself get that low there's always another door another option to take and that was hard watching that situation but I think there's also a part of me that especially in the early years of, and I don't mind admitting this because hopefully someone learns from it, where I was quite extrinsically driven. So I always, and looking at in my case, it probably wasn't a bad thing is that when I failed at something, I'm like, well, I can't be left on a failed note. I can't have everyone remember me for that failure. So I'm going to find something even harder to achieve. And if I, if I, if I'm good at that, then I'll be liked. Now 
there's some positives and some negatives in that. You know, there's the positives in that I was prepared and and game enough and having the balls to take on a bigger challenge. But there's also the sadness that I felt like I had to. So it's oh. taken me a while to get to grow up in my life and realize actually, no, it's what you need to do what you love to do and what makes you and your family happy and works for you as a family rather than care what people think externally. But it takes us a long time. It took me till I was what, probably 36, 37 before I even started having those conversations with myself. So it was I lovely. Think as a woman, it, it is in part of us. You know, like when you think of women back in the tribal days, if you got kicked out of that tribe because you didn't agree with the other ladies or something, yeah, you could die. So somewhere yeah. in our DNA, there is this we need to be approved of things somehow, <laughs> I think. I like it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I've always been like that. I've always been someone who... Um, who, who seeks that approval of others. Um, and for a long time, I thought that was a bad thing. And then I've just accepted that that's just me. Like, yes. And maybe that makes me a good doctor because I want to be good to my patients. I want my patient to like me. I want to make sure that they's a, that it's, the job is done very well. And I'm yeah. like that with everything I do so that everything I do, I do well-ish. You know, don't get me wrong. I fail on lots and lots of things, but I mean my but effort. you try is, hard. I try hard. That's the right word. Yeah. I try really hard and I'm often tits up, as you say, often <laughs> stuff things up. Um, you know, but I also feel like I learn from my failures quite well and I, I definitely don't let them hold me back, which is, is yeah, something I'm very grateful thing. that I've got yeah. that inner strength. Yeah, yeah. I'm very hard on myself too, though, don't get me wrong, incredibly hard on myself. Um, but I'm also someone who believes in having a good cry. So if something's buggered up or if you're really not doing well, I go out walking in the bush and bawl my eyes out for half an hour and then I just feel rejuvenated like I've let all of it out rather than holding onto it and bottling it up. Which is probably really, really healthy. Mm. And I let my kids see it too. So if mummy's crying, but they just know mummy's having a mummy moment. <laughs> Which and is so good. I, you know, you know yeah. yeah, well, I want them to know it's okay to have that emotion as well, that it's okay to oh. to break occasionally because you can't keep holding on to all the pain that life brings. And, 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 and you know, unfortunately, life is not an easy, an easy journey. Everyone's going to come up against their own different battles and you've got to have ways to move past them rather than hold on to that pain. And I also think where children are concerned, a lot of people will say stop crying or Yes, exactly. Belt down those emotions, you know, having a tantrum so you have to stay in your room. You know, that feelings, big feelings aren't okay. Yeah, unallowed. You have that. Yeah, and I remember as a kid being told, you know, I'll give you something to cry for. Oh, yeah, I heard that too. And don't get me wrong, I've said that occasionally to my child too, not meaning in terms of the way my mum meant it, but (laughs) we're like, come on, buddy, what have you really got to cry for is the message I'll sometimes say to my kids. Personal problems, yeah. Yeah, first of all, probably exactly. But, you know, I think kids do need to know that resilience, but also know that they can break and it be okay. It's okay. We still love you. You're allowed to cry. That's right. You're allowed to have a tantrum. It's okay. You know, get those. Yeah, and I've got out. one big tantrum thrower. Oh, my Lord. She's going to be a great little actress when she grows up. <laughs> the youngest, the youngest daughter. And this morning, for example, she walked out in a complete fairy dress, bright purple stockings. Actually, you'd love it. And like pink high heeled glittery shoes. It was a fantastic outfit. <laughs> She's extraordinary. But, yeah, she can throw huge tantrums. Mm. Her name's Sarah, and I always used to joke that her surname should be Bernhardt, you know, the famous <laughs> actress. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. Oh, she's a mummy herself now, and she's incredibly calm. So, you Oh, know, wow. There you yeah. go. Interesting. Yeah, she's, she's, yeah, I think she did it all out as a kid. Yeah. Or you allowed, yeah. her, to, allowed her to? Yeah, probably. Well, there was no stopping her. Yeah, okay. It wasn't up to me. <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. yeah. So just to bust that overachiever image that we've got here. <laughs> oh, I know you're 
us a tell us about a personal tits up my moment. Um, as in things when I bug it up in life, or yeah, as bug in... it up, something dumb, something funny, whatever. Well, or I can tell you the things I that you learned from. You know, it might be something you did wrong that you learned from. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've done. I was the one I was emailing and discussing with you before, which is funny. But I don't know if you mean that or if you mean more. Yeah, that's like, fine. That was, <laughs> yeah, well, that does relate to what you and I have often talked about in the past, which is breastfeeding. Um, I've actually had many occasions like this, Pinky, which is which I guess shows that I don't always fit everything into life. So I remember being, I was trying so hard to make sure my girls didn't miss out on um, Chinese New Year this year. So we were on the train going in. It was 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, and Charlie really needed a breastfeed. So, you know, I conservatively pulled out a boob and gave it to him on the on the train. And then I just forgot to, to, to put the boob away. And for at least half an hour, I was sitting there on the train with one breast just hanging out, free, you know, free to the wind. <laughs> And there was this poor fellow sitting in front of me who just kept giving me the weirdest looks and then looking down at my breast. And I'm like, why are you looking at my boob, mate? Like, what, what is your deal? And he, then he got off the train and I remember getting off looking down and going, oh, my God. And it had been out for at least half an hour, if not 40 minutes, which was, yes, pretty terrible. But I've had regular moments like that. I even had it, um, had it when I was at medical school. I came home from training one time and I'd put a jumper on over my what I thought was a bra. So I thought I'd got changed and completely forgot that I hadn't put a bra and a shirt under my jumper and I got to medical school, got really hot, just took my jumper off and there I was sitting with no top on, <laughs> completely boobs out. So I clearly I have a thing with my boobs. <laughs> so, yeah, too much on your list. Too much on No, but it is. And I often have that. So I, I can't say, and that's where I, I'd say my success does fall apart is I can be a little bit forgetful because I too have too much on. So if I don't write it down, I, I don't simply have a photographic memory like some of my medical colleagues. I have to write lists. Otherwise, I can very easily forget something that, that is due. So we've regularly had no nappies, for example, and the baby's got a towel on his bum until I get to the shops and, um, and buy some more. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, it just happens. And you, you cope with it, you laugh about it, and you move on. And it doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't hurt you know, anybody. Exactly. You wouldn't have been hurt if your boobs hanging out on the train. You know, some <laughs> no, poor man exactly. had an eyeball and it's I had Jemima and Emily there sitting across from me who said nothing. Well, that's so used to you having your boobs out feeding your baby that, you know, why would they even think about it? <laughs> it's funny. It's just, I'm just like, buddy, uh, Emmy, did you not notice mummy's boob out? He goes, yes, because you were feeding Charlie. And I said, I haven't been feeding Charlie for 20 minutes. And she's like, oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah. It's very cute. Kids don't even care. Yeah. No, they don't. So, you know, you've been the married mum, the divorced mum. I mean, you've gone through so much, the single mum, the working mum. Have you got a message for mums who are pushing through the hard stuff right now? Give yourself a break is, would be my biggest message. And listen to your heart when it comes to parenting. Everybody will have an earful to give you around how to parent your children and what you could do better and how you should do this and that. And for me, I've broken every rule, Pinky. So I do have an incredible amount of mother guilt with the amount of work that I do. So I co-sleep with all three of my little kids. Sometimes even Cornelis, the 14-year-old, will come and sleep with me in the bed. And, you know, the amount of people who've told me that's a bad thing, they'll never sleep on their own, I don't care. It feels nice to me. I like having all my kids all over me when I sleep. My littlest one didn't have a cot when he came home because I knew he was coming straight into bed with me. So I just think the message to mums is we're doing our best, particularly at this at the moment with COVID. If occasionally you yell, you know, you yell and, and scream, take yourself outside for a minute, have a piece of chocolate, and ultimately remember we're just you, you're doing the the greatest job, and that is being a mum or a dad um, to the children who who love you no matter what mistakes we make. Oh, that's awesome. And I actually think by that, having them in the bed, I always think you get away with a bit more because, you know, friends of mine have been doctors or whatever, you know, and yeah. I had to keep them in the bed. 
the kids are getting all that touch, all that beautiful oxytocin. Yes. They're getting that bonding. Yeah, that, exactly. You know, if you do have to go to work during the day, they've still had their tanks full. And they that's don't what I think mind. too. Yes. I totally agree. And that's what I've always been like. I'm like, but I'm away during the day. So I have to give in somewhere and they need me. So I've really felt like my children don't seem to have suffered as much as I thought they were going to with the amount of hours that I've worked because they just live with me all night. And you're right. You get touched a lot and laid on a lot. And I think it's just them going, yep, mum's there. It's okay. Mum's there. Yeah. So the assurance and they're, they're, it's like their little tanks are full for that. That's right. Plus, they smell great. They do, don't they? Yeah, they smell fabulous. I don't like sleeping on my own. Yeah. (laughs) I don't like sleeping on my own anymore. Yeah, no, my poor husband's been kicked out to another room most of the time because the babies are always in and it's a full bed. (laughs) But it is what it is. It is what it is. And, you know, you're not the only one. The number of parents, number of families whose homes I've been to who've got two bedrooms running, and it might be that the, you know, mum's in the bed with the baby and the partner's in the bed with the toddler or... That's right. You know, all the kids are in with mum and the partner's there and they all seem to meet up because you always think. <laughs> you know, it's exactly what we've got. Yeah. yeah. And you last seem night to meet Charlie up. Slept, yeah. yeah. Last night, Charlie, the baby slept with dad and the two girls slept with me. So yeah. I was like, yeah. what am I? <laughs> it all works. Yeah it, yeah. Just, it just does. And, you know, I remember working um, on a maternity ward, you know, doing a nursing shift and some woman was crapping on about how she was working we're in New Zealand specific islanders and she told them how to get the baby out of their bed and put it to sleep in the bottom drawer wow okay yeah and I went what what and she said oh you know it's something about it in our bed you know our children don't come into our marital bed and I said and she said something and I said oh do you only have sex in the daytime when it's in the nighttime (laughs) when it's dark you know or something I couldn't help it I just put on my dumbest face and and looked completely puzzled with her because she's going our children aren't going to interfere with our sex life and I'm like oh so you have sex in bed do you in the nighttime (laughs) 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 at the time I had kids in the bed and I don't know sometimes yeah yeah and look I mean it's different for everyone I do have friends who really can't sleep with the kids in the bed with them uh so she so for, she sleeps with the, the baby in, in the cot next to the bed and, and for her that's that's what of works because she feels like she's too grumpy when she gets broken sleep and therefore she's not an effective mother so for everybody else for everybody it's different but for me for me it's my saving grace pinky I really feel like I need that time with them at night or my mother guilt just gets too high <laughs> yeah yeah and we work it all out and some for some yeah. people you know they might be on medication that makes them too sleepy that someone else true, might true. Be a smoker you know yeah. someone might have glasses got to be safe who, who knows what so you know it has to be safe and you have to work it out in your own family that's right and you know yep. what's working for you is what work it what works isn't it absolutely really? absolutely but yeah. i definitely get a lot of a lot of get a lot of raised eyebrows about it especially at work in the medical community it's like oh really i'm like yeah i'm yeah, like really? a hypno birthing water birthing <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty funny but how wonderful will it be to have you know when you're actually doing obstetrics more and more and more that yep. you can say to a woman, you know, these are your options. And I've had a water birth or I've had a done hypnobirthing or I've, you know, whatever you've done. Yeah, exactly. That I'm hoping that'll be the case. That first person experience, yeah, experience. Of those choices. That's what I'm hoping. And also even with the breastfeeding stuff, which you know, you and I have spoken off off this kind of platform before, is and it was the, it was probably the hardest challenge I ever had. Seriously, even aside oh. from all the sporting failures, it was the hardest thing I ever had to deal with was my breastfeeding failing. Like it felt 
looked so awful um, in that first, the first, in my first pregnancy with my son Cornelius, and I felt so out of control, not knowing how to do it. And then obviously had a much much better journey when I found booby bickies, for example, um, and the co sleeping and the and the continuous breastfeeding on my own terms was very different. You know, then I breastfed Jemima till she was four, three and a half. So it's it's such a it, but it very can be different. such a difficult yeah. yeah such a difficult change in in journey um, that you know. It, it was an interesting to learn that mother's grief around it too, because oh, it's huge. Failed. I mean, every breastfeed is a success, however much or however yeah. long you do it, but yes, exactly. in your heart as a mother, I mean, it's a part of your reproductive cycle. Yeah. I just didn't understand happen. why. Yeah. Ooh. Didn't understand why I couldn't. It was very unusual. And then even little Charlie this time, as, as you know, I just couldn't feed past four months for some reason his weight just dropped really really low but this time because I didn't feel like a failure because of all the great information around me and because I tried absolutely everything um you know but he's still sucking now as I said but it's not not get very, getting very much it's all about comfort <laughs> yeah but even the small amount he's getting is going to be some immune boosting stuff yeah exactly. for him anyway yeah and it's yeah. also that connection as well he's still got mummy connection. that's right that's what he wants <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah my mum she's close yes exactly yeah yeah yeah, it's good. So where can people find you, your book? Just another hurdle. God, I love that title. Yeah, well, it's because obviously it's about life as well, isn't it? You know, that oh. everything we do is just about getting over another barrier. So um, I, I think it's online at the moment. I think we can only get it on Amazon, which is a bit of a shame. So it used to be in bookstores for a while, but it's gone off books that books. What is it? Book shelves. They only love you for a week anyway. Bookshop. I know. Don't yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And then you're done. <laughs> then you're done, and the next one's coming in. And if there's Harry right. Potter that's going wild, well, that's exactly. all over the shelves, and yours will be gone. So better yeah. than newspapers, though. Newspapers become cat litter. So it's like, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least they're in a warehouse somewhere safe. But... Exactly. 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 Um, yeah, and then obviously I've I've got my Insta Instagram, which I now regularly use. I've only just learned to use it, but I'm getting better, which is um, Diana Pittman official. So I, I definitely try and put up stories about motherhood and parenting and medicine and sport and um and communicate with people that way yeah that's awesome so i'll put those links in the show notes so yeah, people sure. can come and follow you and find out what's going in yana world yeah <laughs> that's yeah. awesome and your very last tip how to be the mother you want to be you probably already covered that about following your gut but have you got a, a quick tip about you know being the mother that you want to be uh it is about listening to your heart and knowing and and knowing what what kind of mother you actually want to be. So in other words, do you want to be a mum who's home with your children 24 seven and, and relies, you know, on um, your partner to be the person going out to work? Or do you want to be someone who balances the life like I do with, with, with work and family and, and, and what rules are you prepared to break? For example, co-sleeping, or do you want to breastfeed till they're three? But honestly, it's about knowing and being happy with what that journey looks like. So, because we're all going to have mother guilt, we're all going to be worried about whether we could have done something different. And I guess it, it's just, writing down some of your goals about what you'll want to achieve as a parent because it then makes them more real and maybe even thinking about some of the ways to achieve those so you know you know I want to yell less at my my older son when he's playing YouTube during school for example I want to take my little <laughs> ones for a walk 1k every day to teach them about fitness so there's some of the things we're working on for example in our family that's awesome yeah writing them down I, I, I don't know I hadn't really thought about that I just thought you know they're in your head you know, well, it's just do, like but, any other goal. It is. It makes, you know, it you makes have a goal for work, sense. you have a goal as a parent. So yeah. for me, you, you write down what it looks like to you. What does, you know, does it mean putting your phone down for one hour every day? And I learned that on SAS Australia, actually, because we couldn't have our phone for two weeks, how easily, easy you can go without it. 
Like it really, it doesn't need to be an appendage to your body. And children respond so well to you actually choosing them over obviously your mobile, but yet it's so easy to sit there and be on a phone. It's, it's natural. All of us do it, that we're following up on our work emails or whatever it is. And the child's standing there waiting for your attention. So for me, that was a big problem. Sometimes I'd get home and I'd still be doing work, still be doing emails and following up on patients. And I really had to say, no, that will wait an hour till they're in bed and put that phone somewhere I couldn't see it to give them the quality time. So, it, you know, it was something I had, to, I had to do too, was consciously make that decision. But I actually love that you've done those conscious decisions and you've specified it. You know, we will walk for two, you know, a kilo. Yes, or, exactly. Or we'll a kilometre, yeah. Take the phone off for <laughs> yeah. an hour or whatever. You're very specific about them. And I think that's and I think you need to be. You have to be because yeah. I don't think, you know, when you think, oh, I'll use my phone less. I mean, that's so airy-fairy. Yes, exactly. It's very easy to yeah to know, just not do, do it. it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. so we're human and we we want our own time as well. And that's what's hard is when you're a parent, there is very little personal time. Like you know, these days it's toilet breaks or with a family family meeting in the bathroom. Like, and I'm still going to be in the toilet with you, <laughs> the bathroom with you every day. Come with you on toilet breaks. Yeah. Oh so. yeah. I posted a photo on Instagram a few months ago because I literally had all three of them sitting at my feet while I was going to the two, doing a number two. I'm like, guys, you honestly just want to be here. Go somewhere else. They're like, no, mum. We want to talk to you. Talking to you, and we've right. got you in one place. You know, exactly. we've got your full attention. <laughs> you exactly. Be distracted. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. So yeah. So for me, writing down those goals just made them more concrete, and I'm someone who needs that to actually. Um, and it also made me feel better as a mother because I knew if I tick those off, there are two or three things. Like, and it's little things. Like I read, we read two books. They get to pick a book every night. And I know it's very simple, but it's so easy when you're getting busy to actually go. No time for books tonight. Here's a bit of television, and now it's eight o'clock. Go to bed. Whereas if you stick to the two books every night, it just they're just tiny little things that for me have really helped when I'm a really busy, um, overworked mum. That's awesome. That's a that's a great tip. And I suppose all those you know writing down your goals, like having that's one sporting kid, said. he would have written down his goals. You know, I found a piece of paper in his room and it was about <laughs> in his room and it was about eight. You know, and he was doing racing at that stage. And he said, "What do I want? I want to stand on the number one box on the dais." Oh. That's awesome. And he wrote down what he and it's about three or four sentences about what he'd do. Now I hadn't told him to do that. Yeah, that's I fantastic. Don't have a, you know, an athlete type of background. Yeah. But he had, you know, and this is my one that's intrinsically motivated. And yes. You know, I was like that too. Get a kid. It's exactly yeah. the same. I wrote my goals down since I was about six or seven years of age. Mum said it was always very weird. I'd have a, a list on the wall or I'd written it on a whiteboard or something, what I wanted to achieve and how I would achieve it. And so I guess I, I do the same with my parenting. So yeah. But that yeah. works for you and that's wonderful. And I think it's it does. great that you do that. Yeah. 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 I think it we is. all do that. Yeah. We're a sticker chart family too, though, as you can probably imagine. <laughs> I, did, I did try a sticker chart once. And <laughs> oh, yeah. One of my daughters, the phone rang or something, and, and she took all the stickers off everybody's names. <laughs> she had them all over her face. She got into my best lipstick and had that on as well with all these stickers. And I just went... Because it was so oh, yeah. hard for me to do a sticker chart because I'm not really a chart person. You know, yeah. I, I just go, I'm a wing it person. You know, and I just yeah, go, there you go. beautiful chore chart and all that. And she's the youngest <laughs> one. And I thought, oh, that's great. To hell with that. We'll just have Saturday mornings. Everybody picks a room and, and you're in charge of that room to clean. Yeah. Then that's we'll have gold. lunch afterwards. You know, it was yep. sort of easier for me to do that than to have my chore chart and find yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if it's going to cause more drama, don't do it is what I reckon. <laughs> yeah, but I do Whatever like works. that, you know, that your goals are really specific. Yes, they always and, have been. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So that's cool. how, 
So that's how you achieve things, Mark. Yes, in my world, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and everyone's going to be different. Yeah, so that is fabulous. Yeah, what a really good tip. Tits up, ladies. Pull up your big girl pants. We can do this. We are mothers. In the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of this country and their connection to land, water and community. We pay our respect to them, their cultures and customs and to elders past, present and emerging. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tits Up. This podcast was produced by Dave Stokes. For more information, connections with our guests and special offers from our show sponsors, please pop over to my website and check out the show notes, www.pinkymccabe.com. I would love it if you could please share the love by leaving a review. Five-star reviews will help other mums to find this support and information too.